Hey everybody, before we get into this indie filmmaker chat, I just want to let you know about our sponsor. It's a film called Sir John A. and the Curse of the Antiquenched. It's about two brothers who save their city from demons by staying drunk. You can find it on iTunes, Amazon, or wherever you get your movies. Check out curseoftheantiquenched.com. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Welcome to the Raiders of the Lost Commentary Podcast. Welcome to Jurassic Park. The unofficial commentary for your favorite Get to the chopper! and not so favorite films. The famous comedian Arnold Braunschweiger. Starring your hosts, Adam and Matt. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Start your movie in three, two, one. Hey everybody, we have a uh, very special episode on the podcast this week. I have director Rachel Waxler, uh, who's made the film uh, Miss Snake Charmer. Uh, It's a documentary, and uh, we have her on the podcast today. Rachel, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Very well. So so Miss Snake Charmer, this is something I'd never heard of. I saw this pop up uh, randomly, Instagram or Twitter feed, and I was immediately sort of like, intrigued by it i had no idea what it was and i watched the trailer and i think i immediately sent you guys a direct message asking i'm like i need to i need you guys on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) so uh, for those who don't know what miss snake charmer is or or the pageant or the documentary uh, why don't you fill them in okay well miss snake charmer is a beauty pageant that kicks off the world's uh the world's largest rattlesnake roundup in Sweetwater, Texas. And it's a bunch of teenage girls that compete in, um, in evening wear and a talent contest. But before the whole thing kicks off, they prove their bravery and their grit by uh, killing a rattlesnake and then skinning it. And the winner of the pageant reigns the whole weekend over the rattlesnake roundup and she's in the pits in her tiara and her sash um <laughs> holding up rattlesnakes and and showing them to everybody this, and it, obviously the most normal thing for for your young girls to do <laughs> <laughs> in Sweetwater, it is yeah yeah i suppose so like for for me somebody from canada the idea of hanging out like with a bunch of snakes one for one just doesn't seem that appealing so i wonder if you can chat a bit about like uh, first time you heard of this and like is it a very normalized thing in texas like everybody just knows about this snake charmer pageant and everybody hangs out with these snakes and it's not like a big deal or was it sort of strange uh and and odd the first time you heard about it um well i live in austin and growing up here i definitely heard of the Roundup growing up, and um, I have family in West Texas, so I, I know that there are a lot of rattlesnakes out there. There used to be tons on my dad's ranch, um, and my brothers would, um, you know, always be bringing home dead rattlesnakes when they were going out, and um, <laughs> so I guess it's kind of an, a normal thing for West Texas, but I first heard about the pageant when I was listening to a Snap Judgment podcast, and they had a... Um, a, a short segment on the Miss Snake Charmer pageant, and it just sounded incredible. And it's all audible, so I couldn't see these queens in the snake pit within their crowns. And I just had to see it, and I knew it was something that everybody would have to see. So, uh, I'm, so I'm guessing that's maybe where you got the idea to do the uh, documentary from that, or? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, do you want to talk a bit about? Uh, where that all started and, and uh, uh, is this your first feature film or? It is my first feature film. I'm a film editor. So I've been doing that for about 15 years. And oh, okay. uh, so yeah, you, when I heard. Editing is pro- probably one of the better uh, ways to go into the directing field. I feel like you know what you need to go out and shoot when you go uh, do something to that help inform how you shot the doc or. Yes. And my co-director, Emily Arroyo is also an editor. So we, um, yeah, we, we kind of, when we went out there, I would say maybe we shot less than, than we had to, because we kind of had an idea of where this story was going to go or when it started forming, we knew, um, what kind of shots we'd need to support, to support the story. That's, that's really interesting. Cause like some people have like the, uh, 
the spray and pray method of documentary shooting and just shoot, 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 shoot the entire time and then worry about it later. So that is interesting. I hate, I hate that phrase. <laughs> As an editor, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just heard it for the first time like a week ago. <laughs> That's uh, You're lucky then. You must be editing uh, stuff that people actually take care and attention to uh, to shooting and not have to sift through hours of, of nonsense. Um, so, yeah. So whenever when, you want to take us through... Um, like the beginning of the doc and when you decided to do the film, maybe in approaching your co-director um, and maybe how you got permission. Maybe, I'm assuming that wasn't the easiest thing to do to get permission to make a documentary uh, about this topic. Sure. Um, so when, when I was listening and being inspired by this podcast, um, I called up my friend Emily uh, because I, I, like I said, I never directed before and she's one of my best friends and I knew she would be able to do it with me. So she was immediately on board. And, um, then we were, uh, talking to another editor friend of ours who was wanting to start directing and had just bought a bunch of camera gear. Ah. <laughs> and, yeah. So it was at, um, actually our company Christmas party and he was really drunk and, uh, I got him to agree to to shoot it. <laughs> um, Very cool. Yeah. So he was on board and it actually, it was so easy to get permission because Sweetwater is, um, this really opening and welcoming place. They have 30,000 people come in this one weekend for wow. this roundup from all over the world. And the town's only 10,000 people big. Yeah. So it's I'm... four times the size. Yeah. And they, if you look up anything about the Roundup on Google or if you just put it in, most of the, I would say most, most of it's pretty negative. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of of strong feelings about it and, um, but they still welcome everybody in and they're like, this is our way of life. This brings in $8 million to our community. It supports the community for the whole rest of the year. It's this, um, you know, it's just kind of hard shot in town in West Texas. And, uh, they do have this crazy rattlesnake problem. So we wanted to show their side of the story and why they do it. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, I'm assuming I can only imagine the, uh, like, uh, scrutiny, I guess, from outside sort people not knowing anything about it. Uh, so I, I can imagine that could be, uh, interesting and, uh, addressing that in the doc and, and trying to, tell them at, you know, to get permission to come film that you're not going to make some type of smear, smear campaign, you know? So. Right. And when we actually, when we finished the film, we brought it back to Sweetwater and we showed it to them in the theater that the contest is held in. And, um, they were, they loved it and they were really proud of it. And they told us, um, you know, we always worry about when we invite people into our city, what they're going to make with everything filming. Um, and so that they, they felt that we had portrayed them correctly. So you're an editor in, in the business you've been editing for the last 15 years. You want to talk about a bit about how you got into the film industry and, uh, some of the, uh, origin story of that, if you will. Um, yeah, I went to UT. Um, I was an RTF student and, UT I had to means get... something very different in Canada. It's University of Toronto <laughs> here. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Well, I went to the University of Texas, yeah. Austin. Um, <laughs> and uh, when I was a senior, I really I loved editing my own films um, that we had to make for film class. And I had to get an internship. So I got an internship with a post house in town. And, um, yeah, I've, just, I've been a commercial post ever since then. So I've been doing short films and a feature two on the side, some music videos, but the bulk of it's, um, advertising. I see. Do you like working in the advertising world or is it kind of mundane or? I love it. I love it. Some other, um, editors I know have had these, uh, existential crisis, you know, like what am I doing? Selling people things they don't need, but, um, no, we work with super creative people. We work with wonderful directors, um, super talented people. And, make good money so yeah yeah, i mean good for you yeah that that's that's awesome and they obviously lucky to to get something like that right out of almost right out of school like you didn't have 
Do you have the, like the nightmare gigs or anything like that uh, first coming out or? Um, no, I've, I've actually been pretty fortunate. Um, I hate you. It, it, <laughs> sorry. I know. I mean, it's, it was a cushy place to land, I feel like in advertising and there's not a lot of women in it. So it was always kind of an asset to be the token female. The token female in, yeah, in the office. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I so assume that, that, uh, helped out a lot having uh, edit bays and an entire post facility to work on the documentary. Um, would they allow you to, to use some of the facilities on uh, on site or? Oh yeah, they, they were, were super supportive and we were um, able to definitely save some money on the post and um, editing it ourselves and being able to online it and mix it. And do everything in, in one spot. Yeah. Cause that's, Obviously, I know, I know we were talking a bit before the podcast about distribution, but uh, people go the road of distribution and they don't realize, oh, you need a proper mix or you need a proper color grade. Otherwise, it won't pass QC to get stuff on iTunes or Amazon. And uh, having that facilities just right there must have been uh, must have been pretty uh, special. Yeah, yeah. It was more of an education about the lawyers and the contracts for me and not knowing about E&O insurance. And, Ooh, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was the wake up call. Yeah. That's uh the E&O insurance can really get you. And especially like a documentary, it can be such a nightmare because you're randomly filming so many things, uh, people's shirts, stuff, signs in the background and, and you never know what's, what's gonna, who's going to sue for what, or who could sue for what, you know? I've heard a story that um, the tattoo artist that did um, Mike Tyson's face tattoo sued the studios for of uh, for the, the um, uh, what's those films called where he, yeah that um, they get drunk the hangover. and yeah the hangover and that that guy successfully sued because they didn't clear it by him but so I, you'll never know or. Um, some of Terry, one of Terry Gilliam's films, there was graffiti on the wall and, and they, in a passing scene and, and the guy who did the graffiti sued successfully. So, you know, insurance is, uh, is no joke. Right. Wow. Yeah. you Am I worrying you now? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm like, okay, have I checked everything? Great. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm sure, I'm sure when you, when you deal with distribution, it, it'll all be fine. And, and, for the most part, like indie stuff doesn't get, get go. People don't go after indie stuff as much because they know, for one, indie filmmakers don't have a ton of money, so they they know it's not worth their time to go after go after the money. But uh, yeah, you never know. You never know what could could happen. It's covering your bases is a big thing. I get that's on that's on your producer though. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna have to take Mike Tyson out of my film. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, he won't be able to <laughs> be in the film. I, you know, I wonder though, like with all these deep fakes that that float around the internet. I don't know if you've seen any of those. I don't know. I, I wonder if if that'll be an issue later in in the down the line if people can license their their likeness to you know put somebody in a film that wasn't in the film. So. That could be interesting uh, for down the road. And I mean, that movie was because they put it on um, the other actor, right? What's his name? Ed something. It's not. I wonder because Mike Tyson can have his face on stuff and not have to. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm not sure the legality of it yeah. of it either. Um, so back to the film. Um, so I'm just curious um, about the actual shooting. So. Uh, when did you start prepping and, and bring us through some of the pre-production and, and how uh, how you guys got organized to go down to Sweetwater and, and figure out how you're actually going to accomplish this and however many days it takes to for the pageant to happen? Sure. We, we shot it pretty quick. I think we got permission um, from the JCs in Sweetwater to shoot in January um, of 2017. And then we went and did the the tea that you see when they all meet each other and they get their roles um, in February. And it was uh, Emily and I and our DP, Brian. And then when we went back out there to film the 
the pageant, we were out there for a week and we brought in a second camera guy um, who also worked with us at the same ed- editorial place. The only paid crew member was our sound guy. Mm. And then, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we didn't know a sound guy coming from post-production. Um, and then uh, and then we had a good friend come and be a field producer, too. Oh, that's that's perfect. And so how many days were you, how many days was production? So the whole production was about nine days and, uh, right. And it was a six, a six people group, six person crew. Wow. So you must've been filming like morning, day and night kind of thing or. We did, we would shoot interviews with, um, the town people and shoot the, um, exterior shots and all the establishing shots, uh, during the day. And then the rehearsal would start around four and go to 10 and then we rented this, um, the only Airbnb in the whole <laughs> of Sweetwater. And it was out in the middle of the wind farm. Um, so it was really eerie. It was very isolated. There were rabbits everywhere. We'd get back there around midnight and start just dumping all the cards and all the footage. Um, and, uh, yeah, the blinking red lights were all around. And um, I... I, the lady who owned the house emailed and said, Hey, you know, just out of curiosity, what are y'all doing out here? And I told her we were shooting the roundup and she said, Oh, my husband actually, uh, you know, he's one of the snake hunters. He gets the snakes for the roundup. And I just talked to, uh, the PR chairman that day who told me he kept snakes in his garage. Uh. And I asked him, Oh, so are y'all keeping those snakes out here? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, yeah, they're all actually out in the barn out back. No. <laughs> you can see the barn, you know, I don't know, like 50 yards away from the house and just knew it was crawling with snakes. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't have slept. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I, so I'm assuming you're fine with snakes. You're fine being around snakes? No, oh no. Mm-mm. Oh. <laughs> So, so making the movie was also like kind of confronting some fears too, uh, maybe. I just, it just looked, it just looked too cool. The imagery of these beautiful girls surrounded by snakes. I just, yeah, had to get over that. Yeah, I. I did not, I, I did not touch the snakes. I did not pick them up. Um, I would have been right there behind you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I did get in the snake pit. I don't think you've seen. You haven't seen the very end of the movie yet when she's in the snake pit. I did crawl in there. You um, did. That's yeah. like an episode of Fear Factor. Like, <laughs> It's uh, the most exhilarating thing I've ever done. <laughs> really? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> um, okay, so you filmed nine days in Sweetwater. Um, and uh, from what we were talking about before, you sort of had a bit of an idea of the narrative and the direction you were going to go with the film. Do you want to talk about if, if that stayed consistent uh, through filming or if you sort of find new narratives and new themes while you're there filming and, you know, go off on different tangents? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like we thought it would be more centered around the individual girls and that there would be more of a, I guess a different goal each girl was going towards. Uh, maybe this girl's trying to prove this or, um, you know, I guess more, I don't know how I'm trying to phrase this, but when, when we got there, all the girls are lovely. They're all beautiful. They're all <laughs> well-adjusted. Um, <laughs> you know, there wasn't like a big uh, story arc there, I think. Um, and so we started filming more about the town and why, the town um, backs the pageant and backs the um, the roundup and how they feel about it and why it's necessary to their survival. Interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, of things like uh, equivalent things that happen around where I live. And th- there's honestly nothing like a snake beauty pageant around where I live. <laughs> Are there bears up there? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's bears, there's there's moose and stuff like that, but uh, nobody's really rounding up a bunch of moose, you know. I guess the closest thing, and and, and honestly, I'm sure a lot of people from Texas probably come up to Calgary um, for um, 
for the Calgary Stampede. And I think that's the closest thing of some type of animal related uh, event that goes on in Canada. <laughs> Is that a rodeo? Yeah, it's it's like uh, it's the big, big deal in, in Calgary. So uh, way far away from from where I live. But uh, that's that's about it. <laughs> People come to Ottawa for tulips. <laughs> right. There's probably a tulip queen. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's made for, from a actual uh, princess. So uh, yeah, it was during the the war. There was a princess uh, that was born in in Ottawa, and they made a. Uh, this is a whole unnecessary backstory of this, but uh, but they made a uh, part of a room in uh, the hospital, like sovereign land for uh, for Holland, so uh, she could actually be a princess. So every year they bring tulips now. And it's a whole oh, festival. That's a lovely story. It is. <laughs> There's no snakes, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say Sweetwater's pretty singular. Um, so, okay, so you finish getting all this footage. You kind of have a, a, a narrative in mind. Um, when you sit down to edit it, are you faced with like a lot of challenges? Like, do you is, did it edit together pretty quick, or or did you spend a lot of time scrutinizing over what to keep and what not to uh, what not to keep? Um, the, it would it came together pretty quickly. There were some um, there were some pieces that we just couldn't use that we loved of the girls just pulling around and being goofy in themselves, but um, you know you just couldn't. You can't fit it all in, I guess. Um, yeah, you, you got to kill your edits. darlings, as they say. Yes, they did. Uh, so, so yeah, like, there's no uh, huge hiccups, like, during filming or editing? Like, did you realize, do you have to go back and get any other footage, or? Nope. Mm-mm. I mean, we could have filmed, we could have filmed for a year. There were so many unique people there, and um, there will be some of that on the behind the scenes stuff. Um, when it does come out, the interviews that we couldn't use. Um, yeah. I assume you, you managed to accrue like, like a ton of extra content that, that will be, uh, on a DVD, right? Yeah. A couple of things will be, um, yeah. I mean, we were able to use a lot, a lot of the bulk that we had. Um, well, yeah, we're just happy with how it, how it turned out. Well, I would say, like, for uh, your first documentary, first feature film, coming in and not having any those the like the normal types of uh, hiccups and headaches, I, I would say you you got off pretty lucky <laughs> in terms of uh, in terms of the filmmaking world. I, I would say that it's very almost unheard of to have ver- as little um, hiccups and bumps like that. So, I would say congratulations, but just be forewarned. <laughs> for the future um i see uh, also that you guys had an indiegogo campaign i wonder if you wanted to talk a bit about that oh sure uh we we didn't really know what we were doing coming into it i think we've learned so much now going forward that we're applying to our next documentary but um we mostly got our indiegogo cam- uh, contributions i'd say like 99% was just friends and family we hadn't built a social media following or um you know done any of the things that they tell you to get i guess strangers money <laughs> right um so but obviously pretty successful though like is that the the money you used to shoot the film or is that what you used in post production that was the money we used for production okay um, yeah, we got about $5,000 through that, which was huge. And then um, I would say we probably spent another, probably another five or ten. I know that's a big range, but um, on all of that, on the lawyer fees, the insurance, right. that right. yeah, all that other stuff. Um, so, yeah, altogether, though, like, managing to get... Uh get the film done in under like 20 grand is pretty, uh, pretty impressive in of itself. And I'm assuming, did you, you said only the sound guy got paid, but, uh, like are people owed money, uh, deferred payment, like when the movie gets done or like, are you guys just sort of square up and, and you're sort of movie kind of doesn't owe you very much now or. Um, yeah, the movie doesn't owe us too much. We have, uh, some of the, 
the people who contributed music and archival footage and everything, we've done points on the back end. Um, and so we definitely, you know, are doing deferred payment. And then we did a lot of thank you gifts because we had a lot of favors. Um, the color was done by NPC and that was a huge favor. And, um, so we, yeah, we've given some. That's, that's pretty great. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, so, um, while making it, did you guys think about distribution? Did you think about a marketing plan? Were you thinking about where this movie is going to live or did you just want to get the movie shot? Um, both. I mean, the dream was always to get distribution and have it shown somewhere. Um, I feel like, you know, everybody wants to be on Netflix. Um, right. And that's still the dream. Um, and we're, like I told you earlier, we're working with the distributor right now. Um, and hopefully that'll be done soon. And we're shooting for a December release date that it'll be available somewhere. I'm not sure yet. Somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere um, else. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm assuming like, uh, once it's out, uh, you'll have all the usual spots, iTunes, Amazon and all that. Um, obviously Netflix is the ultimate, uh, ultimate goal right now because it's just people can watch your film right and that at the end of the day that's kind of all you really hope for but um amazon prime is also i think something that uh, is going to be a big contender coming up because of how easy it is to get stuff on there and and how large it is starting to become you know yeah yeah and it'd be nice it'd be nice for people to be able to just pick it up and watch it um not have to I don't know. I'm saying not have to buy it, but then that sounds bad to say about myself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, I feel I share that sentiment in some ways because at the end of the day, you, you just want people to check it out and, and in the most easily accessible way. And, um, you know, sometimes Netflix is that accessible way. Right. Yes. Thank you for, for putting what's in my head. <laughs> yes. And in, in, straight into the brain. Um, but yeah, like uh, I, I struggle with that 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 as well of of where to put uh, content and you know like uh, even if it's you know as simple as the like a small show or a cooking show or a skit or something like that and there's so many options of Facebook or Instagram and should should you make an Instagram cut should you make a I don't know a TikTok cut now like since that's mm-hmm. become a thing or like. Uh, you know, Facebook has all these algorithms, you know, do you have to make a three minute cut for Facebook or a one minute cut for Instagram? So, uh, at the end of the day, just wanting people to check out the content and get as many eyeballs on it as possible as can be, uh, spend a lot of time thinking about it, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so you finish post-production, you, uh, you have a finished product. Uh, do you want to talk about like once it was done, like, your thoughts on like, what are we going to do with the film? Like, how are we going to bring this out of the world Was a festival circuit, like kind of the first thing you had in mind or. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, we started submitting to a bunch of festivals and, um, I would say we've gotten into like, I don't know, maybe 15% of the ones we've submitted to. It's been, um, very hit or miss, but, um, we just got into Austin Revolution Film Festival and won Best Doc. We won Amazing. Best Doc. <laughs> Thank you. We won Best Doc at um, the Bare Bones Film Festival, and we opened up the Sheridan Wyoming Film Festival. So we've we've gotten a lot of love from the festivals that we've gone to, which has been amazing. And just listening to people watch the film and laughing and enjoying it has been wonderful. Because I, I think, you know, people go in there hating snakes and... <laughs> kind of being scared of what it's going to be and it really is you know just this sweet story about these girls these funny beautiful smart girls um so i wonder if you could maybe elaborate a bit about uh, some of the festival experiences so far like uh, obviously you said you've worked on some short films have you experienced going to some of these uh, short film festivals or festivals in general and, and i guess what, what has been your experience good or bad with festivals well uh previously the short films that i did um they had gotten into festivals but i'd never i'd never gone to them i'd never been there to i guess i wasn't more invested um other than just being the editor of them i didn't help 
create them, I guess, you know, it's yeah. more like a job. Um, so this was our first time really doing the festivals and I've gone to South by a bunch of years cause it's in Austin, South by Southwest. Yes, um, yes. And, you know, I really like these smaller festivals we've done, we've gone to because you meet, you meet so many people and you meet the indie filmmakers and you're kind of all in the trenches together, all just living to make this art and doing it, um, run and gun and on your own. And it's a lot of cool people. Well, that's good. I, I, I struggle sometimes with film festivals myself. Cause I'm like, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's just like some fancy laurels on a poster, you know, but going to the festivals is a whole other experience and actually getting to, you know, interact with people that watch the film and interact with other filmmakers can be, can be pretty great. But I know what you were saying, like, you know, you got into about 15% of, of the festivals that you submit to. And, you know, honestly, that sounds about on average, pretty, pretty accurate. And it's tough because I, I don't know, I, I get sort of sour about it sometimes because you, you pay to submit, you know, 20, 50 bucks. And then if it gets in, it's kind of in a way, sometimes it's on you to try and promote your screening. You know, the festival will do a bit, but you know, if you really want to sell out or, or do something big, you're, it's, you got to, you know, maybe invest some time or money or energy into getting butts and seats. And then, you know, they charge money to get into that festival. And, you know, in some festivals will give you dividends, but others don't. And I don't know. I just, I feel sort of sour about it sometimes, you know, like we're, we're working and they wouldn't have a festival without our content, you know, so. Yeah, I think that that's where it goes in with meeting all the other festival goers is then you, you see their films and they see yours and um, it's not quite such a hustle. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, building that community. Um, but yeah, I, I completely hear, yeah, I hear you. And there's some kind of sketchy festivals that countered on Film Freeway that have asked us to submit and um, given us discounts and then we get in them, but I don't know if they're real or not, or if, like you said, if it's just for laurels. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I yeah. To this Rome film festival and it's like, are we going to Rome? And we can't get a date or a place where it's showing from them. So <laughs> we don't know if it's a real festival. That's yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's strange. Is that the, is that the Oneros thing? Is that that thing? Is it what? Oneros? Is that that thing? No, I think that's something else. That's something else. I don't because every now and then, like, I think it, it just must be software that sends out stuff like that. But like, oh, submit your film and get X amount of whatever cost off on Film Freeway. I sometimes do wonder if they, some people are running scams on there. So I usually try and check all the comments and uh you know research it a bit before i submit to something to make sure it is a, an actual real festival but uh i don't know film yeah. free like i remember uh, like film freeway is great now because obviously you can submit um all digitally you don't have to actually submit a paper and dvd thing because I, I remember submitting to tiff like a long long time ago and you actually had to fill out almost like 20 pages of an application and mail a dvd in and the dvd had to be a specific format with time code burned in and all this stuff so i think just the way that like technology is simplified and democratized things it's it's pretty great but yeah it comes with its caveats right yeah no it's so easy to submit you uh, just have to write a letter that <laughs> you know it really doesn't matter i've i've submitted without writing any letters and gotten in yeah, I sometimes wonder if they read that, you know, because I've done both, too. And, like, you know, I, I write, spend some time reading about the festival and then actually write out something where I feel like, you know, like, oh, this or this film I made is, like, a good fit and for the, these reasons. And then you don't get, like, accepted, but then you submit to something else and no letter and you get accepted. So, I don't know. I sometimes don't think they're actually reading stuff. Right, or it just—it doesn't matter if you're a good writer or not. It's how good your film is. That's a hundred percent true, right? So, if they like your film, or if they don't like your film, so or who's watching, um, so 
do you want to talk a bit about the uh, strategy and marketing and like uh, obviously you're 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 coming into distribution and have you guys thought about how you're going to market this film yet or no <laughs> not at all no um no no we need to probably start thinking about that because um, uh, i'll tell you from experience it's a, it is a daunting task to figure out how you're going to get attention to it i mean it helps that you already have um this pageant and and all these people that are a fan of um are a fan of the the uh, the festival as is so you already have that as like a jumping off point which i think could be helpful right right yes and i actually i got an email the, the other day that kind of was um you know giving us guidelines to start thinking about marketing but it's all about it seems to be all about social media following um a lot of it so trying to get twitter followers and um facebook followers and everything so get on the gram and all the the stuff too and i'm sure like like the the girls that are in these pageants they are kind of younger too and so whatever their social media platforms they're using now might be like something to think about too you know yeah absolutely so kids are into the snapchats and the tiktoks and all that right <laughs> um but yeah I just I, talk was a week ago what's that <laughs> I just learned what TikTok was a week ago. Yeah, I think it was a month ago for me too. I, I, I very much despise social media. Um, like I don't put too much personal life out there, um, but uh, it is like a, a tool. Like you know, you inevitably have to use as a filmmaker. It's, it's it's amazing and it's daunting all in of itself because you can get access to all these people and you can put stuff out there. But uh, unfortunately, there is just so much stuff out there in the world that it's it's, you know, it's a tiny like pin in, in the ocean that you're trying to get people to, to take notice of, you know? Right. And, and there's an art to it. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a bit of luck too, which you seem to be full of in spades seemingly with, uh, with how <laughs> the film was shot. So, so I'm sure once you guys, uh, popped us out, it'll, it'll go well, but, uh, yeah, getting stuff out and getting eyeballs on it, it it can be tough and i mean like I, I was able to find you guys through social media but i do search a lot of uh, indie film hashtags and whatnot to look for other stuff that's out there and 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 uh, you know try and network with uh, with other people but uh there is uh, of the you know hours i spend uh, you know working on that every week there is a lot of stuff that i don't remember at all right so Right. Yeah. It's very time consuming. Yes. You have to put in the time. Yeah. So, uh, I guess like, you know, what, uh, what's next? Like where, where does this go next, uh, for career wise? Like, are you hoping to make more documentaries in the future or? Um, well, we're, we're pivoting now from snakes to sharks. So <laughs> All the dangerous we're animals. <laughs> yes, we're we're uh, the Dangerous Animals Club, but we're um, we just started shooting. Actually, it's not short. Uh, we shot last October the 2017. What year is it? It was the 2018 Sharkathon tournament, um, and it's in Padre Island National Seashore, and 700 fishermen compete uh, to catch the biggest shark and tag it and release it. Um, it's all for research and they have to do it from the shore. So they kayak these huge pieces of bait out into the water and, um, and then reel the shark in from shore and the winner gets $20,000. That's it. So, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So we've started filming that and, um, it's crazy. It's wild. And there's a men and a women and a kid's division. So a kid's division. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sharks. So, yeah. <laughs> nuts it's it is nuts there's hooks on the beach these huge giant hooks there's you know sharks flopping around on the beach and uh and then you have to release them into the water so you're still in the putting water. them in the water making sure they're getting off okay yeah so there's a wow. it's fun wow and then how'd that all come about um just i guess now that we made a documentary we're you know 
known as our friends as documentary makers. So <laughs> when my friends were talking to some of these fishermen who won um, every other year, they were like, yeah, somebody should make a doc about this. And our friends were like, oh, we know somebody who makes documentaries. <laughs> and then so it just sort of, uh, you know, came together from that, I guess, right? Right. Yeah. So the this year's competition is actually in three weeks. So we're starting to gear up for that. And it's um it's 37 miles down the beach um, from Corpus Christi. So you're just out in the middle of nowhere. There's no cell phone reception. You're camping on the beach, and it's beautiful. Wow. I mean, that sounds actually kind of nice, minus the sharks. But uh, <laughs> yeah. do you have, like, a death wish? Is that why you're dealing with uh, all these dangerous animals? or? <laughs> <laughs> They're just exciting, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I For me, exciting is going to a cottage on a quiet lake, but... the most dangerous thing in the lake is uh i don't know probably other drunk people driving boats that's that's about it but uh um in the lake (laughs) nah every now and then there's like a small snake in 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 the lake but they're not they're not rattlesnakes they're just like grass snakes that accidentally got in the water but snakes here are, are, are not as dangerous they're uh there's one or two that, that might give you a bit of a of swelling, but for the most part, the, you don't see very many snakes out and about. So, um, so yeah, I, I guess the, does, is documentary something you want to stick with forever or is, is narrative something else you want to, you know, move into as well or. Um, you know, I'm sure I never, I never settled with a desire to direct a documentary. Um, it's just to seem kind of like a natural evolution. So I think I'm just kind of open to whatever comes along, what, wherever the muse strikes next. Right. Um, and like when, when you went to film school, was that like something like, obviously you, you must have had a love of film. Um, you know, like when you went to, went to school originally was, did you have like ideas about what you thought you'd do or? I was actually a PR major. And I just took film classes for fun because I loved film so much. And um, I ended up having enough film credits that I could double major. So I went ahead and double majored and I, I had to do the internship. And when I did that, I realized I could actually make a career out of film. It kind of just seemed like this fantasy um, to live in L.A. and make movies that didn't right. really seem attainable. Um, but then... But then it happened, and I did it. So, yeah, I mean, congratulations! It's like it is a it is a tough industry to uh, to work in, and obviously, there's long hours, and it can be competitive, and you know, there's obviously lots of horror stories of studios overworking people and underpaying, or you know, people just not paying in general, right? Contracts fall apart, or things like that. So, to to be able to say you've worked in the industry in in you know, successfully in, in making a career of it. It, it, it is rare. I hope you realize that. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I guess because I lived in LA for 10 years and just, I knew a lot of other people doing it too. I, you know, there's just not one way to do it. Um, and you definitely work long hours and you're underpaid. And I think you've got to be a workaholic and you just have to be driven and love it. Yeah. I suppose that's, that's the, uh, the thing you have to love it. Yeah. Um, so while we're watching the film here, I see like obviously you spent like almost a whole week with these girls. And so um, like, do you guys stay in touch now? Like with any of these people? Like uh, you obviously must have became pretty close with all these people. Um. Well, we stay in touch with them on Instagram and Twitter, but you, we are a lot older than they are. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's more, um, you know, just this touch base and, and keep in contact and they're all killing it at college. Uh, two of the girls that didn't win this year ended up winning the next year and the year after that. And, um, yeah, I mean, they're all doing great. So there's no limit to how many times you can, uh, can go be in the pageant, like, uh, I suppose, or you, you have to be between 16 and 19 and you can't have won it before. Oh, so. Okay. 
yeah. So are, are these like uh, winners of these pageants? Are they sort of local celebrities around around there or? Yes. Um, everybody loves Miss Snake Charmer. There she is right there. And people just run up to her and give her huge hugs. It's like Miss Texas or Miss America. And um, all these girls grew up with the dream of being Miss Snake Charmer. And uh, they win a scholarship too. So they win scholarship money and they have to have the grades to be in this contest too. So it's um, in the talent. They have to put on a talent. So it's it's, it's not all, easy. Yeah, it's <laughs> multifaceted. So like what happens after these, like, you know, they if they win the festival, they don't win the festival. They... You know, like, are, are they, you know, on TV, like, you know, endorsing local car dealerships? Like, what's, like, the career option? Or, the, you know what I mean? Like, is it, like, like sports, uh, you know, like, after somebody's played in the NFL or NHL or MLB for X amount of years, and then they, you know, they're not playing anymore. Every now and then you see them endorsing some insurance company or, or something like that, you know? Um, well, it's put on by the JCs, which is a, a, a what, what do you call it? Like a charity club. Okay. Um, right. And so they go to all of their functions. They do the Easter egg roll and um, any big functions that they have. And the girls will come home. The Miss Nate Charmer, the year that we were doing it, the reigning Miss Nate Charmer would come back from Texas Tech Um to do the big functions. And then after that, they have all the Queens come back for the pageant and help out the next year. Um, so they're, they're a bit of a local celebrity, but I don't, yeah, they're not doing car commercials. <laughs> no, maybe a little beneath them, but I would also like, I think like uh, maybe a follow-up film, you know, like 30 years down the road, you, you follow up with them and see where they are later in life, you know? Yeah. And um, actually we used some, archival footage from a film um a director here in town Gretchen uh Stolce made a film I want to say like 25 years ago um and the winner of her film is the vice principal at Sweetwater High now so wow in town yeah um so there's obviously this has been going on for I think was it 50 years did I read that correctly uh -huh. that's right yeah um so yeah, I think that's that is kind of amazing in and of itself, but it also sort of makes sense that something so strange started a long time ago. I feel like now it'd be harder to start something like a, a snake charmer pageant. Yeah, I think it would be hard to start a roundup now too. Um, it, it's super controversial, and there's pedo come out there and um, protest, and you know I think it's. I think it, it wouldn't start nowadays. I suppose it would have not, had to start. No. Uh, yeah, I suppose PETA is all over this thing, eh, every year? You know, they weren't there the year that we came, um, but we had heard stories when we were told about when they'd come and um, how mean they'd been to the queen. And you have to remember, these are 16, 17-year-old girls. Yeah, they're and just they kids. Right. They just went after her on um, social media and like calling her horrible names and like really bullying her. And, Jeez. <laughs> right. And yeah, they're, they're children. Um, yeah, that should be. Yeah. That's strange to me that Peter goes that hard in the paint at people. But uh, I mean, I don't really give a fuck about snakes, so it doesn't bother me. So, <laughs> <laughs> but. I mean, if they were like killing and skinning like baby rabbits, maybe that that would get shut down a lot quicker. But I guess it is kind of interesting, though, like because snakes are one dangerous too. like I think you were explaining earlier in the podcast that there is like just a overpopulation of them in in the area. Mm hmm. So. Right. So I can see like the your average person doesn't usually care too too much or empathize with a snake right because it's a snake <laughs> right yeah i mean i don't know it's it's one of those it's one of those things where it didn't really matter what our opinions were on it we didn't we didn't want to put our opinions on the film at all we just wanted to reflect sweetwater and tell the story of this town and the history and 
this is going on here and this is why and who you know who these people are and it's it's not us to judge yeah and i i I very much appreciate that sort of um angle of documentary filmmaking because so often like you can tell you watch a doc they they clearly had an agenda going into it before they even shot like a frame of film you know oh right yeah I, i hate to feel preached at preached at that's a good way to put it yes um, so, you know, like, uh, I find my favorite documentaries are, are the ones that just leave it open on the table and, you know, they allow you to make up your mind, you know, they don't tell you what to think. Mm-hmm. Same. Uh, so, um, making the doc, was there a lot of what's like some of your, uh, influences or do you have any favorite, uh, documentary films or filmmakers? Um, you know, my DP watched a lot of, um, Last Chance You, okay. uh, yeah, on Netflix, which I think is a really great show. Um, and then we were watching Hands on a Hard Body um, because it was a it's a film that we all loved, and we were thinking it's kind of similar in uh, context as it's centered around this contest, um, basically just a few days around a contest, and how they were able to portray it. Um, have you seen that film? I have not seen that film. I'm I'm familiar with Last Chance You though, and and uh, and things like that, and and I can see a similar um, sort of crossover dynamic that uh, that w- why you would you know use that as an influencer as a guide in a way. You have to see Hands on a Hard Body. Hands it's on a Hard Body. Bananas. It's a classic. Yeah, it's great. I'm gonna put that in the IMDb for later. It's probably like 20 years old now, and it's maybe an hour. Um, it might be on Netflix. Uh, yeah, I got a different, uh, 1997. Um, is it about strippers? Is that why? No. <laughs> oh, no, no, I guess it has a bad name. It's about, um, a, a truck contest. A dealership gives away a truck and the oh. randomly choose 20 people and you have to keep your hand on the truck and the person I... who just- I have heard of this, yes. yes. Yeah, it's wonderful. And it's that same cross-section of a small town. You just get the rich rancher and, you know, like the poor drug addicts and everybody in between. See, and I, I love films like that. I love, like, a small peek into a world that I have no, I you know, before that I had no idea about. And, and I do like seeing genuine, real people, you know? The, mm-hmm. There is something I don't know if it's just like there is something about like even like your film that you know seeing seeing a small window into these people's lives and these people's world and, and what's important to these people I I don't know it just I find it terribly interesting. <laughs> people are so interesting, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm assuming like editing, you know, then you're able to like get into these worlds and maybe you're you are sort of invested in these girls like hopes and dreams too you know yeah and i know a lot of directors don't edit their own content but i would say in the case of miss nate tremor we really came home from that with this feeling of love for this sweet town and just like the love that they have for each other as cheesy as it sounds um and so when we were cutting it we just really wanted to capture that magic that we'd felt and i i think if we'd given this to anybody else it would have been a very different film so you obviously you edited uh, the two of you edited it together or yes mm-hmm. and emily still lives in los angeles so we we would send scenes back and forth and share the the project bands and uh, piece it together yeah, I think I think that's great. And honestly, um, I think more directors should edit their own stuff. If not, like uh, you know, a, a first pass, but maybe like second pass. Because I think you have to like it is another way of directing the film, and especially on a documentary, you know, that is kind of the making of the film right there. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I guess like. Was there like an aha moment while editing that, you know, you felt like, oh, we have it now. Like this is, this is it. Um, 
going back and watching the footage, we found a lot more funny pieces that I had remembered um, filming. I didn't remember how funny some of these girls were, so I would say it was delightful finding those um, <laughs> those silly bits and being able to put them in. And uh, like, how long from finishing? you know, uh, production to when you guys first screened it, uh, how long did that take? We, so we started shooting in February, 2017 and we were finished in March of 2018. And then, um, we premiered in October, 2018. So it took, it took a while. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not, that's not a terrible, terrible timeline, you know, all things considered, um, do, have, uh, have the contestants, have, have the people in the, in the, uh, Miss Snake Charmer pageant, have they seen the film yet? Mm-hmm. They were the first people to see the film. So did we showed do... it to them. What's that? Oh, I was gonna say, did you do a private screening or, or was it like a big at the event or? We did a private screening at this theater they're at right now. So when they're on stage competing, that's where, um, we showed the movie. Talk about, uh, talk about how that went and how that felt. Um, it, it felt great. It felt wonderful seeing them again. It had been over a year since we'd seen them and, um, they'd all come out. The pageant directors were there and the JCs and, and yeah, I think, I think there may have been one girl who didn't really love it. The girl in the blue dress. (laughs) No, we can't Um, please everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, and she's a little stressed out and I don't know. Um, she kind of took off soon after that but everybody else was really happy with it and uh they've shown it to their parents and Sweetwater that they told us we're royalty there we're family and we can come back to the roundup anytime we want that uh well that's yeah. good to know and, and that must have been a good feeling to know that you you hit the mark really well with that you know it yeah it was very rewarding we felt like we we'd done our job we told their story. When you went back, did you have to stay at the same uh, sketchy Airbnb or? Oh no, it wasn't sketchy at all. It was lovely. Oh, <laughs> there I don't know. There's snakes, snakes in the barn. barn. That's sketchy <laughs> enough for me. <laughs> no, we um, yeah. I don't know what'd be sketchier if there was another like, if there was humans in the barn just hanging out, or if snakes are sketchier. Somehow snakes might still be sketchier than people hanging out in the barn. Maybe if it was snakes hanging out with people in the barn. Maybe. Like their buds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's still it's still a very strange thing for me to, to wrap my head around the idea of, of this whole thing. Um, so I'm assuming like snakes and being around snakes has been just normalized for these people. And it's not like, is is there like an animal that they're, they are afraid of? Has that ever come up in the doc? Um. No, I mean, I would say most of them are still afraid of rattlesnakes. I mean, though, the JCs aren't, they know how to handle them. And they, they're all about education and telling people how to stay away from them and what to do if you encounter them. But um, yeah, you don't want to get bit by a rattlesnake. I'd always thought that maybe you just go to the doctor and get a couple shots and you're fine. But you're actually in the hospital for over a week. And antivenom is crazy expensive. I want to say like, the people that have been bit have been in the hospital for a week in terrible pain with $200,000 doctor bills. So, right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it'd be a long, painful flight for me to come back to Canada to get my, uh, to, <laughs> to get the free healthcare. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You might not make it. So. No, I might not make it. Um, but, uh, have like, I guess like, some of these pageantees must have been bit, right? Like over the course of the the years of the pageant happening or? No, no. The, the Miss Nick Drummer's never been bit. And people at the festival don't get bit either. They're, they're very safe. Um, they're all about safety. Jeez, that's very lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to, they're not going to let people get, I mean, probably because they could get sued too. I so suppose so. <laughs> Did you have to do any type of, uh, like, for the crew? Like, I'm assuming, that, did you guys have to do any type of training? Or, like, was there, like, a orientation day, first day of shooting that, you know, like, you got to learn 
what had what how to deal with these snakes or like where's the danger zone of dealing with you know snakes well when we went out there during media day when they're skinning the rattlesnakes at the beginning um they have the snakes right on the ground near you and the jc's are there with their uh the snake sticks i guess and they're they're keeping them away from you right showing you you know like if it does come up to you you just raise your boot up hopefully you're wearing boots and you know they see this massive the snakes see this massive thing in front of them they're not going to want to strike you um when we you'll see in a minute the snake pits when we get in the snake pits they're you know not wanting you to put your hands below your waist um because that's in striking distance uh (laughs) yeah that's uh that's intense um, so the rest of the crew, like, were they fine with snakes or were they kind of like, did you have to like sell them a bit on it? Like, okay, we're going to go to Texas, Sweetwater. Oh, cool. And we're going to go film this beauty pageant. Oh, cool. But there's going to be a lot of rattlesnakes. And then we're like, that's a hard no for me or. No, everybody was really into it. Really? Um, eh? Yeah. And I, I mean, I think they do a good job of making you feel safe while you're there too. Like you, you have these people beside you, these snake handlers, you're not going to you're not going to be in trouble. I think there was a little trepidation uh, by Brian Long, our DP, about getting in the snake pit at first. But um, once he saw me do it, he was all on board. Is that something <laughs> like you had to do like yourself to get in the snake pit to convince the DP to do it? or? No, I just wanted to. You I just, just did it for, your, for, your, for yourself to experience it? <laughs> right. When else are you ever going to be surrounded by... 1100 rattlesnakes uh, in terrible. my worst nightmares <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have to climb over a ladder to get into the snake pit and that was probably the scariest part because they realized... lowered in like as a sacrifice or <laughs> no but you know if you trip and you fall you're gonna face plant into this mountain of snakes so but the i did see at the start they were sort of taking some of the venom out so but like if you get bit in that snake pit, do they still have venom or is that, uh, yeah. So that they have this, um, they all go into that snake pit at first and that's kind of where they keep them. Um, and they start, I don't know if they're sorting them or what, but they dump them all into this huge snake pit and then they start taking some of them out to take them over to get weighed and sexed and measured. Um, which all goes into the Texas parks and wildlife, um, database. And then from there, they go and they have their venom milked, and then they go and are beheaded and eaten and skinned, and they use every part of the snake. They sell all of the snake for meat or for um, for the skins. And what uh, the did you eat, snake? Is it... We did eat snake. What snake um, tastes like? It's like rubbery chicken. It's rubbery not chicken. very tasty. Yeah, I, it's not delicious. Mm. I would they try it. it. I would eat it. I would definitely, I would try it, but uh, I don't know. It'd be different. <laughs> so that's what they keep the snakes in those boxes right there. Oh. And they just, there's truckloads of these huge, like just thousands of snakes coming in. Oh, they're all falling into the pit. This is the part I didn't that's, see. Yeah, that's the pit that we stood in. That is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> that's just like a pile of snakes. And they're like sort of fine living in piles like that. No, they don't live in piles like that, and they have to stir them. So stir they don't the snake pit. Them. Yeah, so somebody's there at all hours of the night stirring the snake pit so they don't get crushed. Oh, gross! That's like somebody's job. Like, what do you do? I'm the guy that stirs the snakes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's actually um, he works the snake pit. So they, they each have their own pits. Like this guy right here has the milking pit. And um, there's a, a hierarchy to it, too. So you'll have a pit for however many years, and then it'll kind of go to your to the guy you've been mentoring or the girl. Right. So, like, it's like a internship or a, uh, <laughs> this machete, too, thing, like the cutting off the heads with the machete, that's, that's something else. Yeah. And then they have that wall behind her where they put the bloody handprints. Oh, wow. That is so interesting. And then they sign it. 
And then do they have like walls from years gone past or? I don't know what they do with the walls. I was wondering that too. Cause I feel like that's, uh, that is something else too. Just a wall of bloody handprints. <laughs> <laughs> so there she is. That was the, the shot I had to see when I was listening to the podcast. Right. And then, and then there's that guy stirring the pit. <laughs> yeah. uh so that's the film the so yeah so obviously uh snakes i don't do well with snakes obviously you can tell by the how distracted i was there at the end um but uh we uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast uh we'd love to follow up and and uh w- when uh, the film does release and we are very curious to to know what happens with it and you know we wish you all the best uh I don't know if you want to let people know where they can uh, find out about the film uh, a bit more and keep uh, keep track of it for when it does come out. Yeah, um, so you can follow us on Twitter. It's Snake Charm Movie, and um, our website is MissSnakeCharmerMovie.com. And we'll be sure to and- tag all that uh, as well when we put it out, but yeah. Great. Well, thanks for having me. This is fun to talk about it. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know... Uh, We uh, are very much looking forward to seeing uh, where this film ends up. Great. Thank you, Adam. Game over, man. Game over. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lost Commentary, on Instagram at Raiders of the Lost Commentary, and like us on Facebook. I'll be back.